My wife Ginger recently came home from the store with a small box of those conversation hearts. You know, the ones that come out uh, colored, heart-shaped, little words on them, words that remind us that Valentine's Day is upon us. And by the way, it's Tuesday. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she was in the checkout line and she picked them up at the last minute. Those, you know, temptations are always prompting you for a final purchase before you check out. Ginger knows that I would eat a few of these uh, and we often each year actually sit around and just sort of read them and pass them back to each other with a smile on our face as we share these love words. Heart has also been an often spoken word around my family. Uh, the past week, my 92-year-old mother had a heart attack last Saturday night and spent six days in cardiac ICU in Davidson, North Carolina with monitors on her heart. She's frankly, doing way better and has moved back home and has gotten a good report and changed some medicines. And I'm especially grateful for your sincere affection and your prayers uh, this week for me and my family. The sermon title got left out of the bulletin, but if it was in there, it would say this, the heart of the matter. You can write it in if you want to. The heart of the matter. For the third week in a row... We have a text from what is known as Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, a long series of memorable sayings that appear in Matthew's Gospel, starting with chapter 5. We've been reading those passages for the last several weeks. One of the most important moments for me in April 2019, when I was in the Holy Land with a number of you, was the day that we, the bus stopped on the side of the road and we got out and we climbed up the hill of this grassy meadow and we sat down and we read the words of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, um, perhaps where he originally spoke these words on the hillside overlooking uh, the Galilee. We read these words to each other in that spot. It was very memorable. Today's reading offers us several different teachings. All of them relate to the heart of the matter. Listen from Matthew 5, beginning with verse 21. You've heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with, your, with a brother or sister, you'll be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you'll be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you'll be liable to the hell of fire. So when you're offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to term, terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with, with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You've heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body to go to hell. 
it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool, footstool or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you can't make one hair black or white. Let your word be yes, yes, and no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. So remember, the overarching context to these teachings is a statement that Jesus made at the beginning of this long section, a few verses before where I started reading today. And Jesus said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. To fulfill and fulfill the law would mean Jesus wants to show us how to embody the intentions of the law. Jesus' teachings here want to help us not just satisfy the law, but take on, take in to our very selves the essential meaning and spirit and purpose of the law. See, the law wants to help us live with God and live for God in the world. Jesus actually wants to shape us inside out as disciples who don't just carry out the law, but who live with it in fullness, with God and for God, in meaning and in spirit. That's Jesus' message here. And more than that, in first century Palestine, the heart, the organ, was considered the central organ for a person's thought and intention and moral life. Recall the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. And what Jesus is doing in these four different scenarios is expounding the law in light of the heartfelt love which intends to be rooted in each one of us. That's what Jesus is doing. So think about it like this. When God said, you shall not murder, do you think the idea was that we would form a community in which we would constantly antagonize each other and hate each other and abuse each other and wound each other and then, at the very last moment, refrain from murdering each other? Of course not. The spirit of you shall not murder tries to help us set an appropriate bearing toward one another, toward our neighbors, both in our actions and in our dispositions with our hands and with our hearts. Life is not meant to be full of enmity. Life is meant to be for caring community. Jesus is trying to root this deep into each of our hearts, the essence of the law, not enmity, community, life. So Jesus says this, when you're angry at your brother or sister, when you lash out with hateful words, isn't that too, in its own way, a kind of violence, a lesser form of murder and goodness? It's even happening in the halls of Congress this very week. On high occasions, when we tend to see the very worst of 
life in community. Isn't lashing out, throwing decorum aside, its own way of violation against God, an act of hatred even, causing harm against a, what intends to be a healthy community of dialogue and debate and respect that God wants from us, help, wholeness? Jesus keeps inviting us to pay attention to the heart of the matter, what might be in our hearts. Not all anger leads to hostile, dehumanizing direction toward one another, but of course, much anger does. And when it does, Jesus contends it violates the inner spirit, the substance of the commandments. And if our hearts are full of antagonism and hatred, we're closing in on really harming one another, even killing each other. Hence, Jesus says, liable to judgment. Instead, Jesus keeps calling us in a different direction. Live not just in the absence of enmity, but rather the opposite, with friendship. The Greek word here, in how we treat one another, and it's come to terms quickly, actually means to be disposed kindly toward one another, to be friends with each other. Jesus wants us to build connections and community always, always. And then we have another scenario, and it's the subject is adultery, but the message is very similar. It's about the heart of the matter. God creates us for healthy encounters. God creates us for healthy relationships. And in these words, Jesus urges men, and he's speaking to men, to take responsibility for their own dispositions and actions. He warns that if an eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. Healthy community emerges as we work always to build trust. Healthy community emerges as we strive for respect toward one another and honor one another and honor marriages and fulfill the law by living as caring, cautious people whose actions are always noble. That's his message. And then Jesus moves to the subject of divorce. In first century Palestine, the law allowed males to divorce their wives quite easily. This practice would leave women and children vulnerable within the community, left behind from a marriage because the man could legally find simple reasons to divorce his wife. The result would be fractured community, broken community, the opposite of what God wants from all of us. So Jesus has some really strong words here. Jesus calls us to a higher standard beyond the law, to honor relationships, honor one another, doing all we can for healthy, wholesome life as God's people. That's the heart of the matter. And then the final scenario, Jesus summarizes what he's been saying. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Again, it's about honor, not misinformation, which we've gotten so good at. It's about being truthful. It's about noble intentions, not bearing false witness. It's about life in community where compassion and care remain at the very center. 
So if you look at all these, what ties all these four together? The disposition of the heart. Don't let anger or lust turn your heart against your neighbor. Instead, incline your heart toward friendship and respect. Don't let callous disregard turn your heart against your spouse. Instead, incline your heart toward kindness and responsibility. Don't bother with oaths at all. Let your word, the integrity of your heart, be strong and be trustworthy. This is the true meaning. This is the spirit. This is the substance of you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, and so on. These are the contours of the healthy community that Jesus is trying to instill in us, a community of friendship and respect, a community of kindness and responsibility, a community of humility and integrity. Jesus seeks to shape and form a certain kind of people, shaped always by the heart, the heart of the matter. This week, we have seen those vivid and horrific images from Turkey and Syria. The unimaginable, unimaginable devastation from a massive earthquake. So many thousands of people killed and the numbers keep going up. Cities literally wiped out. Many more thousands displaced and grieving and uncertain about the future. Rescue workers digging in concrete. Rescue workers racing against time to find any chance of survivors, so many graves to dig, so much grief to carry, such a tragic situation. Earthquakes are certainly among the most frightening experiences of human life. When the ground beneath your feet becomes unstable, nothing feels safe anymore. Many of us know what it feels like in an earthquake, vulnerability, a tense uncertainty about what might happen. Not like that, but in some sense. And I'm not just talking about the real shaking of the earth. Like in Turkey and Syria, I'm talking about the crumbling and the shaking and the continuing instability and uncertainty that surround our lives. I'm talking about the crises that come our way, which include diminished compassion for others. We've learned lots about this in the last three years, this harrowing pandemic that has changed so much about life. We've learned lots about this with the drastic awakening to racial injustices in our society. We've learned lots about this as we see the increasingly polarized culture exemplified in paralyzed and antagonistic politics. And then so many of us with personal tremors earth-rattling aftershocks that bring uncertainty to our personal lives, pain, loss, questions about what we believe, questions about how to carry on. All this can be earth-rattling, traumatic. Jesus keeps talking about compassion and the heart and the heart of the matter. We need to listen, keep working on that. 
On this second Sunday of February, Black History Month, I share some insights from the wonderful Howard Thurman, who preached right here in 1945. Thurman writes, are you a reservoir, a canal, or a swamp? The distinction is literal. The function of a canal, Thurman says, is to channel water. It is a device by which water may move from one place to another in an orderly and direct manner. It holds water in a temporary sense only. It holds it in transit from one point to another. The function of a reservoir is to contain water. It's a large receptacle designed for the purpose to store water until it's needed. A swamp differs from either, Thurman says. A swamp has an inlet, but no outlet. Water flows in, but there's no provision made for water to flow out. The result? The water rots, and many living things die. This is life in the swamp. There is life in the swamp, but it is stale. Thurman says this, The dominant trend in a person's life may be to take on the characteristics of a canal, a reservoir, or a swamp. There are some lives that seem ever to be channels, canals through which things flow. They are connecting links between other people and movements and purposes. They seem to be adept at relating needs to the sources of help, friendlessness to friendliness. Or are you a reservoir? Are you a resource which may be drawn upon in times of others' needs? Have you developed a method for keeping your inlet and your outlet in good working order so that the cup which you give is never empty? As a reservoir, you are a trustee of all the gifts God has shared with you. You know you are not your own. Or are you a swamp? Are you always reaching for more and more, hoarding whatever comes your way? A swamp is a place where living things often sicken and die. Canal, reservoir, swamp, Thurman says, which? It comes from Thurman's meditations on the heart. While we may dwell in a culture of growing enmity, Jesus reminds us to be kindly disposed toward one another and build a community of care and compassion. While we may be inclined to do Whatever we can or whatever we can get away with, Jesus keeps showing us a better way. Treat others with respect and be responsible with our actions and our activities. While we may say that we are following the law, Jesus reminds us about the spirit of the law. Don't walk away from each other. Walk toward each other. Don't leave people vulnerable. Care for them and all people, this continues to be our calling, the way of faith and the way of discipleship from the heart to care and help, to love and serve, always to promote God's promised reign for the whole world forever. Amen. Let us pray. Pour out your Spirit upon us, O God, and keep shaping us. We follow Christ our Lord. Amen.